Welcome to Film Logic, a movie podcast about the movies of yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and all the fandoms in between. I'm your host, Mike, and I'm with Adam, your other host. What's going on? Yeah, what's going on, Texas, LA, <laughs> New York, San Francisco? I, hey, I think that sums it up. Hey, you know, shout out to our homies up in Vancouver and Toronto and Peterborough. We love yes. you up there too. <laughs> yes, all all my all my friends from Etobicoke. Where <laughs> where are you at? <laughs> Regina, shout out. Yes, Nova Scotia. <laughs> uh, much anyways, love, much love. Much we're love. we're part of the Retrologic Network which is probably part of the gaming Nintendo Dads network, which is probably part of being bought by Elon Musk as we speak. Ugh. Uh, say no, guys. Yeah. Anyways, we're not just a podcast, but we are a wonderful group of Discordians who love to talk about movies and video games. So join us. Uh, the link will be in the chat. For sure, for sure. I like so, that Discordians. Do do people call it Discordians? Uh, probably not. No, I probably just go with I use Discord. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, patent pending. Yeah, right, patent pending. Yeah, you owe me a nickel if you say Discordian. <laughs> Man, mm. well, Michael, we. I mean, I think we gotta first and foremost we gotta we gotta say thank you to a lot of people. At least for, 18 thank yous. Right, for, for participating in our, our online poll. If you guys want to be a part of future polls, you got to make sure you you know, you know follow and you join us on uh, the Retrologic Discord so then you can get and participate with a show like this. And, you know, shout out to everyone's responses. It was truly fascinating to, to see what people saw. And, mm-hmm. um, and I, you were saying this before we started, Mike, um, I think, and I agree with you, I think it's almost more interesting to see what people, you know, what people picked and what didn't win. Right. And just to even go back further, hey, this is our Summies Award 2023. Oh, yeah. Where we, this is the first ever Summer Award um, show. Mm-hmm. The first show to not have any of the actors represented on it to accept <laughs> the award. So far, so far, so far. You know, one mm-hmm. of these days, you know, we're gonna get, you know, we're gonna get someone. We're, someone is gonna finally come on. That's you know, someone that's actually famous. No offense to anybody who's joined us in the past, but you guys just aren't famous enough for us. Yes, I mean, I'm in talks with Harrison Ford, and he keeps giving me that grumpy old man grunt. <laughs> Are you sure that's not just your dad? You know, it could be. It, it, <laughs> is um is is Harrison Ford's email mmordanga at gmail.com? Maybe. Maybe. We'll I see. fall for that again. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, Mike, what are what are the, the summies all about, man? So the summer I feel like summer movies don't get much love in terms of artistic representation. 
So I made up a bunch of categories, and you guys voted on it, and we're going to be doling out uh, virtual awards uh, mm. to the winners and also talking about why the losers lost. <laughs> and the thing is, I think this this summer has been crazy for movies. I don't remember 2022 being, like, this decent for, like, movie. Oh, interesting. Um, like, like, we're talking about, like, the, some of these choices were really hard. And some of these choices, like, really fit into, like, dumb movie, like, summer movie fun. Mm. And so maybe I'm just looking at this for the first time. Right, but, right. Like, this year represented what, like, what you think of when you think of summer blockbusters more than yeah. any other year. Um, interesting, because I, I kind of think I, I have the, the opposite opinion. I think this summer kind of stunk it up. I think there were only like maybe two or three really kind of up, like outstanding movies that came out this summer, and mm-hmm. everything else kind of really blew it, especially at the box office. Oh, man. Well, you know, blowing it at the box office is kind of um, the ID of a summer movie. Um, I don't know. You think so? Well, you know, it's summer kind of represents like the let's throw our dumb stuff. And, you know, we're, we're going to put all of our Oscar stuff in the winter. So, you know, we're going to just throw we're going to throw our cash Kind of our cash cows. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. And, you know, there's, but in this, in this particular summer, there's, there's no movie I'm thinking of. We all know what it is. Um, that probably is going to show up at the Oscars. I think and that there is, is Jason Statham's role in Meg 2. Man. I mean, that thing <laughs> debuted at 0%. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, I I could definitely, I definitely, I don't know, uh, I definitely see your your point there, Mike. But mm-hmm. you know, I just pulled up the the list of top lifeline gross lifetime grosses, and mm-hmm. like they're all summer blockbuster movies, right? Like Avatar, Avengers Endgame, Star Wars, The Force Awakens, Infinity War, No Way Home, Jurassic World. Like those are all summer movies to me. I guess to me, like the summer. Mm-hmm. Like the summer movie blockbuster ideas that like, and I think a lot of the movies that came out this summer, which is why I maybe think that the summer was a bit of a bummer because a lot of these movies that companies were counting on to to, to you know to be big hits, things like Indiana Jones and mm-hmm. Elemental and yeah. you know, Mission Impossible, Fast and the Furious, The Flash, like these are all movies in the past that would have made you know they were betting on those you know, approaching a billion dollars and yeah. you know, only there was only, you know, one movie that broke a billion dollars this summer. It's true. And maybe, maybe I'm thinking post pandemic mm. because uh, 2021, 22, um, I can't think of anything that really blew me away. Maybe like Top like, Gun Maverick. I, you know, I didn't see it, so I can't speak to that, but mm. that was last year's movie, right? Yeah, 2022. Yep. Yeah. Like this maybe this is the first time I'm really looking and really analyzing the data cuz usually in summer I don't care about movies. Mm. I mean, I just pick whatever's available on Netflix. But, th- <laughs> but this year like I've been 
I'd be like, I gotta see these. We're doing an episode based on them. So. <laughs> right? And may- maybe that's a part of it too, but I also mm-hmm. think that this is really the the first summer post-pandemic where people were finally like, oh yeah, let's go to the let's go to the movies. Mm-hmm. And I think that also consequently people are more choosy about what they go see at the theater. I think mm-hmm. before like pre-pandemic um people were just you know people were flocking to see you know the you know the mm-hmm. Avengers movie you know the 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 big old CGI fest but i or you know Transformers is always a reliable one people would go to see but but now it definitely feels like consumers are more picky and i i think that people are finally starting to realize that you know Fast X looks just as good on their 55-inch, you right. know, 4K TV as it does in the theater. And they only really go when it's something like Oppenheimer or Barbie or, you know, yeah. Spider-Man, where it's like an experience. It's a cultural event. And they're willing to spend money on that as opposed to, right. you know, the, the fifth recycled sequel. You know... I, this this is probably like we're ushering in a new a new age for movies. Mm. Um, what what's that what's that company that brings like operas to theater? Oh uh oh man, Fathom Events. Fathom, I I feel like Fathom is going to be like the new hype, <laughs> and you know because you're right, it's all about special events, things that have cultural meaning, and like I just I envision like people going to Fathom Events and like. Mm. You know, the the sequel to Barbie is, like, making two (laughs) bucks, but they're all seeing, like, uh, Waiting for Godot (laughs) live from Fathom. Well, I mean, I I went to the movie. I've I've been to – I regularly go to the movies. I do a movie podcast. I love the movies. Mm -hmm. Um, And I got to say, maybe, you know, 30 – maybe 30% of the time that I've gone to the the movie theater this summer – I went to go see a reshowing of something else. Like I went to, I saw a reshowing of um, episode uh, episode four of Star Wars. I saw um, yeah. Indiana Jones, uh, the Raiders of the Lost Ark. I saw um, I saw some Studio Ghibli stuff. I saw uh, Howl's Moving Castle and some other stuff. And yeah, and every time I went to one of those movies, the theater was full. Like, packed. Right, right. The data is there. The data is there. And I think that's, I think people are slowly starting to realize that, you know, they, they, they really, the, the buying power that they have, right? And they, they, they yeah. realize, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily want to see Elemental when I could, you know, go see Incredibles back yeah. in theaters at the end of the month. Right, right. Three months and elementals will come to Disney Plus. Right. And you know, it's 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 cheaper and easier and you know, there there's no real incentive. But um yeah, I, I, I mean I'm not really sure yeah, I'm not sure what this holds for the, the future, but I definitely think this is a trend that we're gonna start seeing. Especially when you you know, you really thought that certain things were gonna be home runs um yeah. this year. Absolutely. And if you know anything about me, I I bet on the horse that's the <laughs> fattest and the, <laughs> the smallest legs. So 
I already know that uh, my movie tastes don't equate to what sells. But there is one movie in this list that I, that, you know, Rotten Tomatoes agrees with me is amazing. And I'm surprised it didn't, it didn't show up in our poll as much as I liked it to. And we'll get to that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. But yeah, should we, how, should we dive right into this, Mike? What do, what do we well, want to get into first? You know, I, when I envisioned this episode, I thought we would have, um, I could at least tell you that I got around to saying Barbie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was with Barbie. I was with the, the entertaining direction in the humor mm. through the whole movie. Um, and I think everyone's trying to understand what is, what is the story trying to tell in Barbie? Is it a parody based on how, you know, heroes uh, treat women in movies? Is it a scathing criticism uh, wake up America type criticism, or is it a is it trying to show you that like both sides are for dummies, um, and there's a third option that's better? And I'm leaning towards that last answer because um, Greta Gerwig, like I kind of get what she's trying to show. If you haven't seen Barbie, there's like it's 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 wonderful entertainment. It's quirky. It's funny. It's humorous. Mm-hmm. And I think Ryan Gosling steals the second half of the show. Uh, mm. Hands down, he's amazing. I couldn't take my eyes off of him. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I'm, I'm kind of stuck trying to figure out th- what's the moral of the story that they're trying to get you. Is it sure. as obvious as the movie wants you to think? Like, because it kind of it like sticks it in your face. But I, I almost think that's like a red herring. Like... That's not the true message. I think the true message was at the end when, you know, spoilers, they found out it's not like a girls, we rule the world. It's not the, and it's not the guys need to rule the world. It's the, you got to be true to yourself, you know, figure out who you are and, you know, lean on your gifts and just, you know, be awesome with your gifts and don't worry about power and prestige and ruling things. I don't know. That's my. That's me on the soapbox. <laughs> well, and I, I agree. I, I think the, the the whole point of uh, of the movie is summed up in that that sequence where you know Barbie is you know kind of talking for what it means to be human, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think it is completely about discovering who you are and how you interact with the world and society and like what your place in it is and um how uh and how you inter- and how you becoming more like yourself allows you to better see and to treat and to love you know the people around you and mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and i think it's very easy um to get um to get stuck on the you know the you know the you know like the, the the like you said the the red herring um but mm-hmm. I, I think if you look at the movie like a just a coming of age story 
um, but with the perspective of the fact that it's, you know, it it's it's a movie made by women for women. Like mm-hmm. it, its target audience isn't you know male centric. It wasn't all of Greta Gerwig's movies are like she mm-hmm. when she made Lady Bird, when she did Little Women, when she did she does this. Like it, the the movie is you know made for women and and with the perspective of of being a woman. And I I really do think that the 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 point of the Barbie movie is that she treats all the female characters in it the same way that a male director would would make a movie a coming of age story about a boy through a male perspective it's just switched mm-hmm. so when, so then when people say oh there's it feels like it's male bashing or it feels like you know my i wasn't represented or i felt like i couldn't connect with the the main character that's how women feel when they watch movies you know, with a a male centric point of view, and you know, yeah, I think I think of movies like you know, um, you know, The Breakfast Club, or maybe like Juno or Super Bad, right? Like those are those are all coming of age stories from a male perspective, with you know, female characters interspersed. Even but Juno isn't that about a pregnant teenager? Yeah, I but seen it so. <laughs> I only yeah, saw the but, trailer, so I mean also also with Michael Sarah. Um yeah. but it's um it's undoubtedly it's it's from it's from a the you know a male perspective and um and I think that's where people are getting kind of tripped up on it and you know you think about mm-hmm. how um and really the, the, the biggest I would say the biggest thing about Barbie is. Uh, I think there are people that are, you know, out there trying to to to, to deliver a message, or, and they're saying that it's like, oh, it's, um, you know, hyper feminist, or it's like super anti male. And I, I would, I would really disagree. I, I would say that it's more to your point, Mike. I think it's very, um, it's very true to, um, mm-hmm. um, this idea of exploring what it means to be human. And what it is to to bridge the gap between different perspectives, and you know these same people that are saying like, "Oh, this movie is like <laughs> super feminist," that they would also probably say, "Oh, I love Fight Club or I love American Psycho," when yeah. those in actuality are hyper feminist and anti male, and you know people just don't, you know, they're 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 not understanding what they're watching, and yeah. Um, yeah, and yeah, I think at the end of the day, the TLDR for me is that the the Barbie movie treats women the way that mainstream movies treat men, and whereas like men are are the, the like the sole the sole masters of destiny, right? They alone can like change fate, or they can change you know the outcome. They can change the world. Greta Gerwig does the same mm-hmm. thing, but for women, and um, I love that, right? Like who 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 doesn't love? A, a coming of age story and um honestly I, I i think that you know the there there needs to be more stories from perspectives um that i don't have um because i'm you know i'm a male you know i'm 30 and mm-hmm. you know i that's my perspective i'm nerdy i love 
you know, video games and movies and things like that. And that's why I go to movies, right? So I can experience adventure. I can experience, you know, different experiences that I don't normally have. And I get to hear different people's stories and different people's perspectives. And the more diversity there is in those stories, you know, the the better my life becomes because I'm more enriched and I get to understand and see life through a different lens. Yeah. And... I know, I know the people that are angry, and I can mm. understand. Like the preaching in the movie is heavy-handed, mm. and that's kind of what throws you off. Is like, um, you know, Greta is feeding you a sandwich of lectures, and you either agree with them and love them. And I think that's part of the red herring. Is like the the you know you think that the lectures are the end result. But they're right. not the end result. In fact, if you think of them as the end result, it kind of backfires on you because right. um, Ken, in the second half of the movie, he is more interesting to watch, in my opinion, than Barbie. And so I, she had to have known that like the second half, at least comedically and entertaining-wise, is going to him. So she was not... I don't think she was trying to say who run the world girls, you know, like that song suggests. I think she's trying to say, if you try to run the world, it sucks. If we try to run the world, it sucks. You know, it, it just forces you to be not genuine. Mm. If we run the world, it'll force you to be not genuine. If we do it, then it happens to you. You know, can't we just, you know, honor each other's gifts and, strengths and move on from there right so right and i i think that's one of the things i most appreciate about a good movie is when the director doesn't hold your hand for you to get to the point right like if, right like if you know greta girl room we get a movie and if all you got from it is that it's you know mail bashing and all this other stuff then you 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 saw what you wanted to see and nothing will change mm-hmm. your mind about it because you saw what you wanted to see, but that wasn't what the actual message was. And you have to really, you really, it rewards you for paying attention and it rewards you for critically thinking. And, um, and mm-hmm. I, and I agree. I, I think it is uncomfortable. I, I think it's supposed to be uncomfortable, especially if you're watching mm-hmm. from a point of view, that's not your own. Um, but I don't think that that makes it any less valid, right? Like if you go into a movie like Schindler's List and you're comfortable, then you're probably what the movie is. You're the the intended audience, right? You're supposed to be made uncomfortable by seeing mm-hmm. um, a perspective and a truth um, that you might not have experienced, and it's 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 uncomfortable. Like um, I I saw the movie with um, a bunch of friends. Um, a lot of them were female, and they you know, they had, well, one, um, had never, they said that they had never experienced or felt so seen by a movie before that felt so true to their experience of the world and, Mm -hmm. um, their experience of, um, how culture views them and the pressures that they feel. And, um, two, they love the message of, of, um, of motherhood and sisterhood and, um, what it means to like look out for um, each other and their their and their feminine identity, 
and they love that. And then, you know, third, they, they love the message of, of unity, really, at the end of the day. Um, they, they love that, um, mm-hmm. you know, that they, they were able to save the day without, you know, without having to kill anybody, right? Like they, um, yeah. like Barbie and the, the other Barbies were able to save their world without having to, you know, kill a single Ken. Uh, it was all done on their, their, their wits and, um, mm-hmm. And there was even, you know, mercy and grace at the end, right? They, the, their forgiveness there and allowing them to come back. And I also think that that's a, a very feminine perspective, right? Like if this had been, you know, the Avengers endgame, right? Like that's, and, yes. you know, not saying that one is better than the other, but, you know, how great is it when, you know, you see Captain America with his broken shield and he's got Mjolnir and he just runs at Thanos and they beat the snot out of him. But that's like such a a male way, a male-centric way of solving problems, right? Hit him right. with a giant hammer. Um, and, yeah, like, I, I don't know too many movies where the plot gets solved like that, where it's, you know, it's not, you know, solved by hitting a nail on the head with a hammer. Instead, it's, right. you know, they're, they, they solve it without violence. Unless it's Alan kicking butt. Right. I think they threw that in because they saw that uh, Scott Pilgrim uh was yeah was trending well right right and i you know i i think it's even juxtaposed by the idea that you know the the barbies they were able to to solve their problem by going and voting and talking it out and making their voices heard and mm-hmm. the kens tried to solve their problems by having a beach fight so yes. i mean hey you know read into it however you want to read into it yes and that's why I think it's, you know, I I am seeing this movie as mm. hyper sarcasm. Sure, definitely. Because if you take it at face value, some of that stuff doesn't add up. Like her You're views of, of males are like straight out of like that ser- that series Mad Men. And right. You would think, well, man, hasn't she seen like the 007 movies where M just bosses 007 around? Um, but so, you know, I choose, I think it's more sarcasm. Like, you know, show me a sarcastic world uh, where, you know, like even the portrayal of Mattel is so sarcastic. Like, hmm. Mattel really fell on their sword to tell this story. <laughs> well, I mean, it's hard to argue with the the billion dollars they grossed, but yeah, I know. Like, you could uh, say whatever you want about us if you make that kind of money. <laughs> it makes me think that, like, okay, after this movie, we know there because there's 18 other movie deals that Mattel got. Yeah, it's so, disgusting. Yeah, so it's... right out of the bat, we know that uh, you know that Mr. Potato Head's going to be about transgender rights. Um, Polly Pocket's going to be about uh, global warming, <laughs> right? Because they're well, going to be like, ah, these these topics they win us money. <laughs> well, it's and it's so funny to me that like you know these companies, these corporations, they they just you know they can't see the forest for the trees, right? They you know they create a product and it makes them so much money, and they're like their first thought isn't you know, how can we, you know, improve on this? How can we make this better? 
it's how can we replicate this exactly to make more money in as cheap a way as possible and they totally miss the you know the point for the trees right the reason that mm-hmm. barbie is good is because it's an original story um and it was created with incredibly imaginative incredibly artistic incredibly funny people same thing with the mario movie and they're like okay let's let's just make let's pump out sequels devoid of any anything any of the magic that the original had and they just they 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 miss the point of you know what what you know what the the original vision of the project was you know like i i don't think that you know the way that the movie ended you know i don't think greta gerwig sees a second movie a second barbie movie but mattel is gonna make a second one anyways and is Greta Gerwig going to do it? I don't know. That That's for mm-hmm. her to decide. But I don't think that she envisioned it as, you know, a trilogy that leads into a multiverse saga that leads into 15 spinoff TV shows. Like, she was just like, no. this is a, a one-off vision, a one-off movie. And that's and, okay. And yeah. I think, really, that's the story of the summer. I think the movies, and really the story for the year, I think the movies that did the best and then were the most well received were movies that were original and um mm-hmm. i i think our our poll shows that but um i also think that the movies that were bad this this year as a whole also show that and um yeah i, I don't know where you want to what you want to get into well, now mike but um uh, yeah i you know i said my barbie bit yeah. Um, all I know is I can't wait for Greta Gerwig's Hot Wheels movie, <laughs> which I can't say with a straight face. <laughs> oh man, that's yeah, that's incredible. I I love that. Yeah. Um, and I I if you're on the if you're one of the few people that haven't seen it yet, and you're on the fence about seeing it, um, just go, just watch it. Go in with a an open mind mm-hmm. and um yeah and, and but i think most importantly don't um you know keep an open mind and and watch it with a, a an open mind and mm-hmm. um, for those of you that are um a big fan of greta gerwig this is your first exposure to her she's got a whole filmography that you should go check out um if you want to see more kind of like um you know lady empowerment go get them you know, check out, you know, Lady Bird, check out Little Women, all incredible. Um, but if you are looking, if you're excited for something new that's coming up, she's doing the new Snow, the live action Snow White. Um, so, uh, yeah, definitely keep your um, keep your eyes open for that. And she's, um, Greta Gerwig is mm-hmm. definitely one of my, my favorite hot up and coming uh, directors. Yes. So, fun story that I just remembered. Um, I read yeah. on a forum that some drive-in put a Barbie. You know how drive-ins have two movies. Well, yeah. um, they, she put Barbie with the Sound of Freedom. Interesting. Um, some people would have it, to watch. <laughs> well, Barbie. yeah. It's, well, there were so many fights. Like, there's you know the trucker guys making fun of the people dressed in pink, the people in pinks asking the trucker guys, 
aren't you the ones grooming these kids as jokes? And the the drive-in had to like say, okay, treat each other respectfully. Come on. And then they, they had to like discontinue that movie, those two movies being together because it became such a harassment problem. Sure. Yeah. So two points for humanity right there. Oh, Anyways, do 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 the Summies Awards 2023 <laughs> with your guest, with your host. Oh, uh, uh, Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> what? <laughs> Come on, Adam, do the Whoopi Goldberg impersonation. Uh, no thanks. I'll pass. <laughs> okay. Fine, fine. Welcome to our show. Uh, let's just, you know, we're going to build up mm. to the best summer movie award. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, you know, let's go to the bottom of the list. Oh, I love this. Yes. Um, I love the idea that I can, and I'm so surprised that, like, this is not a category in more movie awards. Maybe it is, like, one of those Nickelodeon awards mm. um, or People's Choice Awards, but I would love it if they made a Golden Globe based on best villain. And this yeah. summer, we got some nice villains. We had some really good villains. And um, I I really do think, I, I'm the lone vote for uh, Dante Reyes in Fast X. I did not see the movie, but just the, the amount of energy that Jason Momoa poured into that movie, and to own the screen every time you're on screen with that cast and Jason Momoa is the best thing going for it. My I mean, gosh. You have to be the best villain of the summer, right? Like, mm-hmm. at least to me, given the, the context of, you know, the entire, the, the idea of best summer villain, like you want your villain to be camp. You want your villain to be outrageous. You want him I to know. be charismatic. You want him to be devilishly handsome you know you want jason momoa as dante reyes but he only got five percent of the vote so right he didn't win but to me i mean i and i understand you know the 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 you know the three that got the biggest pieces of the pie um because i really do think of those three two of them really deserve it but um <laughs> the third one people just love voting for <laughs> right 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 um so, yeah. but yeah no to me to me dante reyes is the the reason the spirit of the question if that makes he's yeah. the spirit of the law not the letter of the law <laughs> you know and i completely agree and the only reason i didn't vote for him is because mm. I was fresh off of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem movie. Sure, sure. And I thought Ice Cube did a phenomenal job as Superfly. Mm. Um, just like this guy who's super chill, but at the same time, like, hates humanity. Right. And somehow balances being, like, super chill. Like, I thought we were friends. Let's hang. And then, like, I want to kill all humans. Right, and right. He, he does it on such a, like, he's enjoyable he to watch. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I, I think a good villain is someone that you want to see um, and you want to see them get as far as possibly as they can. 
but mm. secretly you want them to be defeated at the same time. Now, to my knowledge, that is not what won the vote. Um, the, the what won the vote is someone you want to see defeated, and you never want to see in real life ever. Right, right, and I definitely think Dante Reyes and um, you know Superfly kind of occupy the same sort of sphere, right? Like they, yeah. they're like they seem super cool, and then they like you know flip a switch and they just eat dinner with a decomposing body, right? Like yeah. that's like that's you know that's it to me, but. You know, do do we want to just get into the winner of the poll, and then I, I definitely want to talk to the two, the 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 the, the, the two people that oh, tied for second. Let me go on what uh, what was uh, on the list. So there's Ursula, yeah, yeah. Little Mermaid, Gabriel, yeah. Mission Possible, High Evolutionary, Guardians mm-hmm. of the Galaxy, Azad from Flash, Masculinity from Barbie, <laughs> The Spot, Spider Man, um. That was tough. I, I I either had to do Oscar Isaac's Ooh, role. Predacons. Did you see the Predacons? Yeah. There's the pred- Well, I'm talking about in Spider-Man Across the Universe. Oh, right, 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 right. Spider-Verse, you get, you get um, Oscar Isaac's, mm. you know, Spider-Man 2099, or I think that's who it was. Yeah. And then you I, get this, I mean, the spot. I mean, is he? I, I, this is a whole other rabbit trail, but... I wouldn't even say that he's the villain. I think, I think he's right. I think that, you know, this is might be a little controversial. I think Miles Morales is the bad guy. He's he's the antagonist, right? Like he's, like I like he is wrong. Like he's just objectively wrong, and like he's, he's sacrificing. wrong for wanting to save his dad. He's wrong for wanting to sacrifice the entire universe. To just save his the one his one dad, I, okay. I call me crazy, but you know maybe this is a discussion for another time. But I don't think Oscar Isaac is wrong here. Well, that's true, and I don't. I honestly don't think the sequel is going to make it down to those two options. Mm, I think sure. they're going to they're going to throw in some third option, <laughs> right? You know, like time travel or something, right? And. The, the the whole thing about Spider-Man is, and, you know, Miles says it, right? Like, he, it, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter what the odds are, right? Like, they, Spider-Man always, always, you know, comes through. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I, I think that's interesting. And, I mean, of course, that's the direction they're going with. But could you imagine if they, if they, you know, keep that trajectory of, you know, Miles is just wrong. And he has to live with the consequences of being wrong, and um, I I know that they could never do that. That wouldn't that would put butts in seats. That would make people very sad and disappointed. And you know that this isn't you know some French post like postmodern <laughs> yeah. black and white yeah. existential movie, but a boy can dream. Yeah. So. Instead, we have the spot who goes from like a yeah. thief to like a hey, I'm going to destroy the universe. Right, he becomes um, he stops being the flavor of the week, villain of the week. Yeah, uh, Dante Reyes from Fast X, Predacons from Transformers: Rise of the Beasts, mm. Megalodon from Meg Two, Superfly, <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem, and the Nazis in <laughs> Oppenheimer and Dial of Destiny. <laughs> Are they the same? Are they? <laughs> Are they the same Nazis? 
Historically, Maybe. yes. Personally, sure. no. <laughs> I love that they were bunched together. So, um, who who won this, Mike? Who so, won the the poll? Um, quite ironically, like when the internet votes that some animal's name should be Monkey McMonkey Face, right. everyone or at least four people chose the Nazis. Yeah, I mean, that they didn't was the speaking roles, to my no. knowledge. I mean, they did in Dial of Destiny. Yeah. They're they're more of a unit than they are a person. Right, right. <laughs> would would you um, say that the Nazis were like portrayed as awesome bad guys in Dial of Destiny, or were they more like a nuisance? Um, I mean, I would say that they definitely they definitely were. Um I mean Mads Mikkelsen is the um the main antagonist and he I mean, his whole thing with the dial is that he wants to go back in time uh, and to not only, you know, help the Nazis, but he wants to replace Adolf Hitler because he thinks that Adolf doesn't go far enough. He thinks that he's, you know, not good enough. So, you know, he's next level Nazi. Um, Yeah, I, I would say that they, I mean, given having their... If they had their way, I, I would think that they would be pretty devastating. And yeah. you know, at least in Oppenheimer, the I would say the Nazis—they're always are... off-screen, aren't they? Like always talking <laughs> right. about them. <laughs> well, the idea and between that and I mean, they're they're definitely the villains, maybe for the first third of the movie, and then it becomes mm-hmm. this, you know, the ghostly specter of communism, and then um, whatever that means. Um, but really, I would say that the villains of Oppenheimer are us, right? Like, that was the whole mm-hmm. point of the story, right? Like, Oppenheimer, you know, creates this device. And he's not going to live to see the consequences of his invention. And, like, the, the you know, the the option of, of being, of using you know, it for for good or for evil is in the hands outside of its inventors, right? It's like a it's like mm-hmm. what the story of Frankenstein is, right? Yeah. You know, Dr. Frankenstein creates, you know, this monster and he, he, he has to struggle with the idea of like what does it mean to create life? What does it mean to what does it mean to be human and, and deal with the consequences of our actions? So I mean I definitely think that, <laughs> that the Nazis are I would say that the Nazis are more of a villain in Dial of Destiny than they are in Oppenheimer, but uh, yeah, I in a list of best villain, I mean, how can you go against the Nazis, right? Like they're the they're always begging you. <laughs> yeah, right. The Nazis are on the Mount Rushmore of villain, right? Like that's right. <laughs> it's and... like the it's yeah. the Nazis from like 1935 to 1945. You know yeah. the rush the Russians. It from you know from 1980, or and then you know ambiguous uh, Middle Eastern terrorist person, right? Right. And then and then it's um, government or whatever sci-fi, right? Like those yes. are the those are the big four. <laughs> yes, and I, yeah, and I think Dial of Destiny really like. What's worse than bringing back Hitler? A guy who thinks he can do Hitler better. 
Right, exactly. And then, like, guy, wow, that's wow. <laughs> it's like, it, it's not even that the guy is like, oh, I, I think that Hitler was wrong. It's they're, they're like, oh, I don't think Hitler, I don't right. think Hitler was fanatical enough. You're like, what? Like, you can't just, you can't beat that. Like, right. Uh, I mean, and that's why Mads Mikkelsen is is perfect for the role. And I don't think that he's a Nazi. I'm not saying that, but I am. Actor, but I, (laughs) but I am saying he is incredible. He's, I mean, Mads Mikkelsen is is he's got to be one of the best villain actors of all time, right? Like he's, he just has that like calm, calculated evilness down, right? Yes. As one should. <laughs> uh, but anyways, let's talk about... Uh, that was the winner. Mm. Uh, but some people think the spot from Spider-Man Across the Universe mm. should have gotten it. And two people, or three people, thought that uh, the High Evolutionary from Guardians of the Galaxy mm. should have gotten it. And I have to say, I, I, I can see where you're coming from, the High Evolutionary. I didn't think the spot was that menacing or had enough camera time to prove he was worth a good bad guy. Yeah, I definitely think that he'll come into his own in the, you know, in what's to come. Um, Mm -hmm. But I mean, the high evolutionary, um, he, he was just to me, uh, he just seemed like very starter pack bad guy, right? The most evil pharmaceutical doctor you'll ever meet. Pretty much. Yeah, but like, he's just like, he's just like, oh yeah, he's a bad guy and he hurts animals and he doesn't treat people very kindly and he screams and he throws tantrums and you're just like, yeah, I mean, he's a bad guy, but. Yeah. <laughs> like, he doesn't yeah. have like a. He doesn't have any nuance. Yeah. In in the business, we call it the guy you love to beat up. And that's what he was. Uh, what did you think mm. of... Uh, I don't know. There's Two people ver- voted for Ursula. One person for the Predacons. Mm. And I'm, I was surprised that, that anyone would vote for anything that's related to uh, Transformers because it just got so low ratings. But apparently the Predacons made an impression on one person. Yeah, somebody really liked it. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know. I I will say, though, I and I, I want to, my last thought about the High Evolutionary, um, I, I do think that he had the, the hardest, coldest villain line of the summer, though. Yes. There's like a there's a bit where he's just like screaming, "There is no God." That's why I had to step in. When I saw <laughs> that in the movie theater, I was like, "That is megalomania on a scale that I cannot even comprehend." Adam, I can envision your popcorn flying out as he's saying. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I mean, I'm a sucker mm-hmm. for a good villain. I think everyone is. Everyone really loves a villain, mm-hmm. right? That's why everyone, there's a TV show for Loki now, right? Like, yeah. everyone loves the bad guy. And, you know, every bad guy's got to have a line like that. And, you know, whether it's 
you know, Ivan Drago and I will break you or, mm-hmm. you know, it's M. Bison. <laughs> he said, and to me, it was Tuesday. Like, every villain needs <laughs> a line. And um, I think that maybe that's really why, to me, like, the Nazis or, you know, Spot no kind of like, yeah, they don't have a line. They kind of fall short. And um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I love I love the answers on this, and um, yeah, I, and I think that maybe if you had um, done this poll uh, before the summer started, and you asked these same people, and you're like, who do you think will be, you know, uh, uh, you know, among the best bad guys this summer? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think people would still vote for Nazis, but. Um, I really do think that pe- more people would have said and been excited for Zod in Flash, mm-hmm. but um, especially with you know the original actor coming back, um, and I-, I do feel like there was a bit of an energy around the movie as it came out. Yes. And people were just really devastated by how bad it was, um, mm-hmm. and yeah. So I think then that consequently you kind of see this this flip and i think that's why you don't really see anybody voting for for zaden i would i would say that that's one of the things i think that that movie really suffers from is that there's not you know a, a bad guy to to, to right. foil um the flash and um yeah i think that that's that's a real shame yeah i just thought it was a stoner comedy with some cool action scenes but enough about that movie. Yeah. We'll be talking about that a few categories up. Sure, um, sure, sure. So, the best actress of the summer. Ooh. So, I think everyone can guess yeah. who it's going to be. Yeah. Uh, and it's definitely not Scarlett Johansson from Asteroid <laughs> City, though I, I have that on my list. Um, yeah, me, I mean, I think she was great in that, but. Yeah. Let me just go down the list of what we have to work with here. And mm. I think this is a very strong list. And I actually learned sure. a lot about new actresses that I really like because of this. Mm. So you have Holly Bailey, not Barry, of <laughs> The Little Mermaid, Phoebe mm-hmm. Waller-Bridge of Dial of Destiny, Leah Lewis yeah. of Elemental, Sasha Calais from Flash, Rosario Dawson, Haunted Mansion, uh, Haley Steinfeld, Spider-Verse, uh, Michelle Rodriguez, Fast X, Ayo Adabiri, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem, Haley mm. Atwell, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Karen Gillian, um, Guardians of the Galaxy, mm. uh, Emily Blunt, Oppenheimer, Scarlett Johansson, Asteroid City, and Margot Robbie Bar. So, as I was saying, mm. those are all our runner-ups for Best Actress of the Summer. Yeah. You know, um yeah, I, I really do think that this summer, um, you know, obviously with Barbie and Margot Robbie, but it really does feel like a summer of a lot of really solid leading ladies and supporting and actresses in supporting roles that really that really kind of stole the stole the screen. Um you know, I think Karen Gillian as Nova really won people over. Um, 
you know, Haley Seinfeld, um, you know, always wonderful, um, is great as Gwen. Um, I love Phoebe Waller-Bridge and Dial of Destiny. I really do think that she, um, you know, she, she nailed her role really perfectly. And frankly, if Emily Blunt doesn't at least get nominated for Best Supporting Actor, I... I don't know what I'm going to do with myself because she was um, incredible in Oppenheimer. She she owned it every time she was on screen. She was brilliant. Yeah, I feel like this is the year we're going to have a lot of summer. People's summer works is what's going to get them into the Oscars. I mean, Robert Downey Jr., mm. um, people are saying that's going to be Best Supporting Actor. Uh, Margot Robbie, if she doesn't get Best Actress nominated, people <laughs> yeah, are going to buy it. Right, right. I feel like you could nominate the entirety of the Oppenheimer cast as for Best Supporting Actor. It was just, yeah, it it's great stuff. But Best Female Actress, um, yeah, this, I mean, this one was very predictable. I yeah. Think. I mean, I, I think... You know, Runaway was was Margot Robbie with almost fifty percent of the vote. I, I didn't mean to spoil it, Mike, but I, I know, mean, I know. But, you were thinking it. I was thinking it. The audience was thinking it. You know, and I have to say, as great as Margot Robbie is in the DC universe, and we all love her as you know Harley. She's the one person that they keep asking her to come back. If there's a Harley. Uh, in the future. Uh, but, you know, I'm not crazy about her energy. It's not my go-to product. So. Well, you know, I mean, how I, did I'm... you, how did you feel about her in Barbie? Because I think her in that project is very different than her in other projects. So, yeah, 100% I've, she I've, is Barbie and they nailed mm-hmm. it. Like mm-hmm. a million, a million and 10%. You couldn't, Sure. Think of another person to be Barbie. And <clears throat> yeah, she's not as loud and obnoxious as she is in other movies, um, which was definitely appreciated. Um, though I, I feel like the second half of her movie, as I stated earlier, she kind of like falls off. She kind of just becomes mopey. And it's like it's Ken's job to kind of pick up the movie in the, the second half which he does excellently. So, you know, she wasn't my favorite part of the Barbie movie, ironically. Interesting. Interesting. And so I I think she does an excellent job as Barbie, but she wasn't my favorite part of the Barbie movie, which is a problem when you have a movie called Barbie. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I think Karen Gillian uh, was a, a total treat in Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, she, her, like, just knowing the actress as a whole, being a, a former Doctor Who um, watcher, knowing that that actress is actually kind of, like, peppy and bubbly, and then just seeing her act like a like a total, uh, you know, grumpy person as Nebula... Um, really is enjoyable. I think anything that has Karen Gillian, like it always perks my attention because I just think she's a great energy on the stage. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And, 
I definitely think uh, the the opinion and the critique of her character as Nova previously has been that she was just kind of one dimensional and she didn't really bring anything. Yeah. Um, but you know, since the you know with considering the 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 Christmas special and with this, it really does feel like she's finally given some license to kind of fully explore what the character means and to give um the character some real life and um yeah i, I think she she did she did really great mm-hmm. and yeah and i i think i have to disagree with you about margot robbie in the barbie movie she was like i don't know she, to me it felt like she just stole every scene that she was in um to, to True. me I, I mean I, her name's on the title so <laughs> She would have. Um, and, and not even just that. I think her her delivery and her um, the emotion that I think that she brought to the character and the role, I, I think is is was incredible. And um, at least for for me, I think part of it was this idea that she was kind of finally in a role um, where it wasn't about how. And you know, stay you know, get to stay with me. But like, the, obviously, she was casted as Barbie because of mm-hmm. how she looks. But that wasn't the reason that Greta Gerwig selected her to play Barbie. Because to okay. me, I don't think that there's another actress that could play in the emotional, in the comedic space that Barbie had in that movie, other than Margot Robbie. And I think for a lot of Margot Robbie's career, um, male directors have typecasted her as this almost like beautiful goddess Aphrodite kind of, you know, temptress Mm -hmm. character like in, you know, Wolf of Wall Street, Suicide Squad, Babylon and someone you'd like to cosplay as. Right, you know, a, a centerfold. Um, but who she is as um, when she's casted in movies like I, Tanya, or when she's in movies like um, Bombshell or, or Barbie, where she's able to just be an actress based on her talent, um, she, the role looks totally different. She's totally a different person. And I, I think that that was part of um you know Greta Gerwig's goal with this movie and and Margot Robbie's role as you know executive producer on this is like she now is fully occupied a space that is totally different from her other roles and ironically enough her playing Barbie almost is like going against type because she's not playing you know she wasn't selected to play Barbie just because she's beautiful she was selected to play Barbie because of her talent because of who she is as an actress and you know the the looks were are secondary to that, but that wasn't the primary reason that she got mm-hmm. the role, right? You can't tell me, and and I'm I'm sure that for a part of it, for you know, for a movie like Wolf of Wall Street, of course, I, I don't want to downplay the fact mm-hmm. that Marco Robbie was incredibly talented, and Martin Scorsese right. saw that, but it was he she would definitely you know was was it was, was in, the role that she had was because of her beauty and um. And I think that in the Barbie movie, um, her beauty is a part of who Barbie is, 
but it's not the reason that Barbie is a character, and it's not what 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 Greta Gerwig is is weaponizing to right. the audience. It, instead, it's um, Barbie is a human, and she's uh, she's trying to figure out what it means to be human, and her beauty is a part of that, but it's not her defining feature. Her defining feature is that she's different and that she thinks differently and that she gets sad and she has cellulite and she thinks about mm-hmm. death sometimes. Like that's that's who she is. Not that she's daddy's little monster with a choker and, you know, has suspicious rips on a t shirt, right? Like that's yeah. um so to me, I, I think that's why um I think that she deserves, you know, the the best actress of the summer because to me, she really takes a role and elevates it. And um, I I think that all the, the wonderful ladies on mm-hmm. this list are incredible and wonderful and do a really great job. They make I one heck of an Ocean's 13. <laughs> but I don't know if any of these other actresses could have done as good of a job as Margot Robbie does in Barbie. Yeah. Um, and well... How much can we attribute that to Greta Gerwig's uh, coaching and getting whoever she chose into a vision? I mean, we're living in a new time. I I like Mm. to think what Barbie would look like in 2013. It would probably have Jennifer Lawrence, and it would probably be a lot lot less of a thinker movie. So, yeah, like I agree. Margot Robbie is – she's very good at nailing um, the character that you give her. But she has like a certain energy. And you either have to like that energy um, or you have to just be like, oh, like it's not, it's, she's never horrible. Like, ugh, get her away. But it's, you know, you, she has that, that energy. Sure. You know, it's like people who like, uh, you know, buffalo wing pizza. It's never horrible pizza, but some people love it, and some people just like it. <laughs> sure, I, I mean I, I don't I I don't think I'm fully picking up what you're putting down, but well, I'm just I'm just saying. <laughs> she, darn it, everyone's right. She is very enjoyable in this movie. It's mm. not my favorite enjoyable. Sure, sure, and my my argument. So this is my mm. argument that no one's ever gonna. Uh, catch up with me, but I had to, I had to look this person up. The person who sure. plays April O'Neil in mm-hmm. Mutant Mayhem, Ayo Edebiri. Yeah, um, she does such a phenomenal job. That, like her one-line jokes and her way of explaining things. And I know they they were trying to give you that they were trying to give you that sassy vision that uh, that uh, Spider Verse kind of gave you. Um, but mm-hmm. she did such an awesome job that. There was a point in this movie that was like, if it's just her interacting with the Ninja Turtles and there's no more fight scenes, I would actually be okay with that. Um, and I think it's her voice work. Like, I mean, her voice work and, you know, the character that they animated with her worked really well together. Sure. Um, so I can't give her 100% of the credit because it's about the facial, like the facial recognition uh, of the animators. But... You know, I I enjoyed the crap out of Ayo Atabiri, and she's part of the reason why I think the movie did so well. Sure, sure. No, I mm-hmm. I, I totally agree. I I think the 
the cast and the the animation studio, which is also in part worked on Spider-Man. Um, right. Um, you know, they, they put in some serious work this summer. But uh, yeah, no, I, I think that that whole project um, is incredible. I, I think that the their, the direction and the, the, the decision to kind of cast the, the Turtles as relatively unknown teenagers mm-hmm. um, and really using these adult actors as um, in supporting roles, um, I think is 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 awesome and a, and a really great direction. And right, like um, I've, I've really seen exciting. the plays at my high school. High schoolers can't act. Like, <laughs> you know, there's a reason why those tickets are only eight bucks a piece. <laughs> sure, sure. But these guys, they like they refueled my faith in teenagers and movies. Mm. Oh, for sure, and. Mm-hmm. I like don't get me wrong like I I'm a massive Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fan. I love it. Uh you know, mm-hmm. give me Bebop and Rocksteady all day every day. You know, give me and John you know, Cena and Seth Rogen. <laughs> <laughs> right? And I mean, heck, I'm my middle name is one of the Ninja Turtles. Right. Um and uh but I and I I love the uh, the direction that they're going with this movie, but you know, maybe this is part of the reason that I'm really excited for the last Ronin video game is because I know that the source material and um, other stuff is, like, much more adult and more serious, and they deal with, like, other <laughs> more adult problems and, and story motifs and plots. And I, I feel like we just haven't really gotten that in the mainstream. So I I'm looking forward to... I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I love. I think this movie is incredible, and yeah. I love that it's and it deserves every bit of success that it's getting. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I'm still waiting for, you know, I want some dark Ninja Turtles. Right. You want them all to wear red bandanas <laughs> and to cut through human flesh. Right. You know, I, I you know, I, I'm tired of them always fighting robots. Right. And I hear you. I hear you. Um, but I have to say, when No Diggity plays in the background and you see the montage of fight scenes in different bars, yeah, uh, goose flesh. But we're talking about female actresses. Yeah, here. female actresses. We're getting into it. And I, 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 I had a point um, that I was getting to, and we got uh, a little sidetracked. But I, I agree. I, I think Io was Ao. Io. I don't know how to say her name. Io Edebiri. Um Yeah, I think she. Um, yeah, I think that she definitely owns the 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 space whenever she's she's there, and um, I think that's so great because I think part partially like when you think of these kind of nerdy superheroes right. movies, you know, a lot of these ladies don't necessarily get the time to shine or the respect they deserve, and I love that Karen Gillian and you know uh, Haley Seinfeld and. You know, um, these actresses are all getting, you know, their their time in the spotlight and well deserved. I mean, they 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 killed it this summer, and um, if I could give a, an award to all of them, I would. Right, like I'm telling you, this would make one heck of a Ocean's Thirteen. Right, right. Um, speaking of Ocean's Thirteen, no, not really. Let's talk about Best Actor of the Summer. <laughs> um, 
This now, one was interesting to me. I'm surprised that this was as mixed as it is. Well, the most interesting thing is Best Actress of the Summer and Best Actor of the Summer all connected to the DC Universe. So Yeah, by like third degree. Yeah, like third cousins. Degrees. Yeah. Um, so here's who we have. Now, I I made a political choice not to put in he who shall not be named for the flash, but instead I put in Michael Keaton. Um, Jordan can for elemental Jason Momoa, fast X, sorry, mm. Vin Diesel. Yeah. You didn't make it. Chris Pratt, guardians of the galaxy, Jason Schwartzman, asteroid city. And, Carson. and he was a uh, spot, right? Oh, Oh, well, there you go. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think so. Uh, Harrison Ford, Dial of Destiny, Jason Statham, Megat 2, uh, Ice Cube, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Shamik Moore, Across the Spider-Verse, Anthony Ramos, Transformers, Ryan Gosling, Barbie, Cillian Murphy, Oppenheimer, Tom Cruise, Mission Impossible. Mm. So there seems to be like a fight, at least on this list, between sure. Spider-Man Across the Universe, Spider-Verse and Oppenheimer. Uh, I guess it might be a three-way brawl if Barbie's involved. Sure. But it's it's interesting to see that people are struggling between those two movies. Right. Or well, one nails it and the other one is like, eh, I like it here, but not here. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting to me how close it is. So, like... Cillian Murphy won, um, but with only 23% of the vote. And I, the mm. fact that Tom Cruise got two votes, Michael Keaton, who was a supporting actor and wasn't yeah. really in the movie, got two got votes. Long. Yeah. <laughs> and Chris Pratt got two votes. And Ryan Gosling got two votes. Well, while, while Cillian Murphy probably gave the performance of a lifetime and is probably going to win, you know, best actor, um, at least get nominated for it. Only got four is really interesting to me. I'm, well, you know, and the the closest one was Shamik Moore for, um, you know, playing, mm-hmm. um, you know, in, in Across the Spider-Verse. But to me, he was the, the weakest, I think, in, out of all of the, all of the characters, like all the actors. I, Mm-hmm. I wasn't very impressed with um, his character. I really do think that he was outshined in every scene that he was in by everybody else. So, I mean, I don't know. What do you think, Mike? Well, I have my hang-ups about the new Spider-Man movie um, because, it, you know, it, the directors that did the Lego movies were behind it. And this the new Spider-Man movie is less Lego movie-inspired uh, less silly and more like everything is dark. You know, everything is horrible when you're part of the Spider-Verse. Um, so, you know, that, that I, you know, I struggled with that. Um, but I, I think, I think you're right. I think Shamik Moore didn't do anything to make himself stand out. I mean, he has that one line that's in the trailer. I'm sick of everyone telling me who I have to be. I'm going to do my own thing, which kind of is cool. Yeah, no, it's great. Other than that, like, I can't remember anything else. He's more, like, reactive to, like, other actors that talk to him in his movies. 
Right, for sure. He doesn't and, monologue. Right. <laughs> and I, I don't know if it's that he necessarily monologues. It's just, I don't know. I, I just didn't find his, um, I, know, I, I didn't, I, I just didn't find him as charismatic, I think, as some of the other characters. Like Oscar Isaac, every time his character's on screen and he talks, you, you listen, right? Like he's, yeah. he's there. Like, um, you know, the minute that Peter B. Parker is on the screen, you're just like, oh, this guy's way funnier. You're right. Um, or you're, you know, you, you listen and you're just like, mm, I don't know, uh, Spider-Gwen is definitely way more angsty and is dealing with more real right. serious problems. And I think um, she outacted him. And I'm sorry we didn't bring her up. Um, oh, yeah. I think we could have stayed in Best Actress, but, you know. Yeah, forever. I mean, Haley Seinfeld, I mean, she killed it. And <laughs> I I love her as an actor. I think she's she's really great. Um, I love that she's in two different Marvel projects. Um, I also love that she was in Bumblebee, um, and I just really enjoy her as an actor, actress, mm-hmm. and I hope that she has all the success that she deserves because she's been killing it. But, um, and I think that that being said, she definitely out, she definitely acts the pants off Shamik Moore in yeah. Across the Spider-Verse, which is why, to me, it's so baffling that Cillian Murphy only doesn't even break 30% because... Really, to me, this is the performance of a lifetime for him. Like, this is... You know, I have I, I a feeling win the Oscar. that maybe not directly, but mentally, some of our voters might have been like, yeah, you know, I really like Mission Impossible. Therefore, Tom Cruise did the best work. You know, Guardians of the Galaxy, man, I love that series. Therefore, Chris Pratt. Um, <laughs> sure, sure. I could, have read, I could have written Dave Bautista and... I think that we'd still get the same results, mm. you know, two votes. You know, I think maybe, maybe I'm not judging anyone because I probably did the same thing, but they're like, oh, you know, I really liked that movie. Therefore, the actor maybe did a great job. <laughs> they maybe did a nice job. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, to, to, to me and... I mean, I, I guess maybe we can move on um, after this, unless you have some some closing thoughts. Um, I think Ryan Gosling was was really great. I think he he nailed his his role as Ken, and he his song he his song alone was amazing. You know, Billboard chart. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, if he doesn't get uh, a best uh, supporting actor nod, um, I think there'll be riots in the street. I think he he absolutely nailed it. He was. So charismatic, and um, yeah, he's he's definitely very dumb and very very funny, and mm-hmm. I think he's really great. But man, I I I cannot say enough about Cillian Murphy as as Oppenheimer. You you just you you feel the the weight of his anxiety and his worry and his um his tortured genius. Every time he kind of like shakily takes a draw of a cigarette and looks off into the middle distance, and um, it's uh, yeah, like it, he, the the performance that he turns in, I mean, is just, I mean, it it's generational, and um, mm-hmm. you know, and and maybe this is a point we can explore at the end of all these pie charts, but. Um, you know, no, no offense to to, to 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 people, to our friends that voted, but 
you know, I think this is generally why I don't have a whole lot of stock in um, the audience score on a lot of things because, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes or, um, you know, other oh, really? aggregate sites, like, I'm just like, yeah, I, I, I just generally don't agree with, um, you know, a lot of, you know, opinions because, you know, you have things like this where you're like, oh, yeah, like, Chris Pratt, <laughs> you know, in Guardians of the Galaxy 3, like, <laughs> was a better actor than Cillian Murphy in Oppenheimer. I'm like, that's just not true. <laughs> like, it's, well, that's not even close. If we're talking about, like, what made you smile... What made you laugh? I can totally respect that. Like, if we're talking about what deserves, like, an opera award, yeah, Cillian Murphy, all the way. But, you know, like Chris Pratt, he did a great job as, like, a depressed drunk in the beginning of Guardians of the Galaxy, and his redemption story was really fun. So I can see where those two voters kind of were really into that. Yeah, but um, I, I mean, would you say that that's best? You know what I mean? Like, what does best mean? I guess that's really what the question, well, my yeah. question is. Like, what do you think is best, right? Like, Well, we're also assuming that everyone saw all these movies and can that's compare. True. So that's maybe true. the two people that voted for Guardians of the Galaxy Didn't saw that and maybe Haunted Mansion. <laughs> right, right. And, or, you know, maybe they saw all the movies and they were just sure. like... They're super into Chris Pratt, which is cool. You know, right, right. he makes a millions for a reason. Uh, <laughs> you know, no, for for sure. The one thing I have a beef with is that, like, now that I'm seeing that we have cartoons, cartoons are so hard to give to an actor because half of their character is a drawing made mm. by an artist. Sure. So. Is it all on their voice if the if you really really like the facial recognition? I mean if it's I don't think it was uh rotoscoped. Is that the term? Where you take a picture and draw over it? Yeah. Uh maybe it was, but <laughs> Yeah. Um No, I I mean I think that's um I think that's a a part of it. I think the the collaboration effort in animation is is really um important, right? I I think that's why, you know, the studios that are doing things like Across the Spider-Verse and Humans he are having so much success because you know, the both arts are influencing each other and right. supporting each other whereas like, you know, we got some pretty bad CGI like in you know, quantum media where you're just like, oh yeah, these the actors and the animators are definitely at odds, and it's the studio's fault, and you can just tell. Mm-hmm. And we're about to go into the next one, which is yeah, all the studio's fault. So, <laughs> unless you have any strong opinions on Jason Statham, or no, I mean, I think it's it. I think it's yeah, it's just wild to me that I think some of the some of the votes and. I think it's totally valid, Mike. I, I I agree with what you said about, you know, maybe not everyone saw the movies, all, all, every mm-hmm. single movie, all the movies, but yeah, to to me, I think objectively, it's just Tillian Murphy yeah. all the way. Well, you know, there's so many things to vote on, like, mm. you know, some people, when they cry through a movie or they feel uncomfortable in a movie, they equate it like, that was bad. Yeah. You know? 
And I'm, I doubt there were people giggling through Oppenheimer. Sure. So. Sure. And I mean, I, I think that's also partially what, what plays into my, into me not having a, a whole lot of trust in, in audience scores, because I think, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people vote subjectively and that's, that's totally fine. Like I totally respect, um, you know, your individual right to having an opinion and how much you enjoyed. Like, I would never take it away if someone was like, I really enjoyed, you know, the Meg too. I'm like, well, I mean, I know that I probably wouldn't enjoy watching the Meg too, but I'm glad that you enjoyed it. Um, but I think then where I kind of have a problem is when people try to use, we'll, we'll like say subject, we'll use the subjective opinion and be like, okay, well, right, is, is this within like an objective reality? You know? And um, yeah, I think that's that's what makes movies so fun, right? Like we have, we get to have discussions like this. And you know, speaking of subjective opinions, let's talk about the most disappointing movie of the summer. So this when you know, I like how I phrased it. Most disappointing movie mm. suggests that you had some kind of hype, some kind of hope. That it sure. would be good, and then you know it it crushed your dreams. Mm. So I, you know, we're looking when we look at this pie chart, we're looking at crushed dreams. Sure, uh, absolutely. You know, and it's it's really a good mix of crushed dreams on here. Um, yeah, I I think I have some 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 votes that I understand, and some that I just don't. So there's the haunted mansion. Little Mermaid, Asteroid City, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3, Indiana Jones, Elementals, Transformers, Rise of the Beast, The Flash, Meg 2, Barbie, Oppenheimer, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, Fast X, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning. So part of this is I think some people kind of came in with expectations that it was going to be one thing and then found out it was going to be another thing. Mm. You know... Like, so we have a lot of 11.8%. Like, we have a four-way tie Mm. uh, for second place. And that's two people thought Indiana Jones was disappointing. Two people thought The Little Mermaid was disappointing. Two people thought The Haunted Mansion was disappointing. And two people thought Barbie was disappointing. Mm. And I kind of understand maybe the the two people... um, that thought Barbie was disappointing. We're put off by like, the message. Interesting. Uh, the Haunted Mansion. I don't know anyone who's getting hyped up about that. Yeah, movie. that's that's one that was puzzling to me. Like I, one of the things that it's I'm based on about, a ride, <laughs> right? Like the, I don't know if you had really high expectations going into that movie. I don't know if I can help you. <laughs> maybe maybe there was like an actor they really liked, and they're like, this guy can't fail, and then he failed. And right and I mean carry the movie. Right, but what what's also interesting to me is that like the movie has been pretty well received, and I I think that people are like, oh, this exceeded expectations. So to me, it's like were people going into this movie expecting like I, I don't know, like South by Southwest or sorry, North by Northwest? Why did I say Southwest? Northwest. You're thinking of the airline. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, or, you know, were they expecting, you know, Vertigo or Psycho? Like what, you know, whatever Hitchcock movie you want to throw in here. Like, Are they thinking of it like is the Eddie Murphy version? Like the one that right, came out early 2000s? Like that right. one? 
And that one that's kind of like the one that's universally panned, like Yeah, like it even made a horrible GameCube game. Right. Um, well and uh, Haunted Mansion kind of got thirty nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes, so which one? Um, the new one? Yeah, the new one. Really? So Yeah. The, but the Eddie cool. Murphy version got 13%, so at least yeah, it's right. an improvement. Right. That's funny. I, I just don't think there was a lot of meat on that bone. And Right, right. Because it's based on a ride, and, it, and the ride is based on a trope. Right. Which is based on better movies doing that trope. <laughs> right, right. And at least to me, like, the other movies that are tied with it, like... Indiana Jones and and the Little Mermaid, at least those kind of had like hype to it, right? Like the idea that like Little Mermaid was you know a live action Disney movie. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel like a lot of money was poured into it. Same thing with Indiana Jones. Um, Indiana Jones kind of had the 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 vibe of this, you know this is Harrison Ford's last ride um, before he hangs up the you know the fedora and the the whip and. I can understand why you would go into that movie having some level of excitement and then being disappointed. But to me, like the haunted mansion, I'm just like, I, I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know what more I can do for you. Like I, I can also understand. So like elementals got uh one vote. Like I would be more understanding if more people were disappointed with elementals than with haunted mansion, because it's like, to me, it's like you were surprised that you were disappointed in the food you got from Arby's. It's like you went to Arby's. What did you expect? Right. <laughs> yeah. And as, as I'm looking up these reviews, I I see the Sharknado came back <laughs> uh, for its 10th anniversary. And that got a 70%. <laughs> but the audience gave it a 30%. So... Well, and and to me, like, I, I guess for for stuff like that, which is just crazy to me, but it's the it's the expectations, right? And mm-hmm. what people are, are 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 holding going into it, and um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Do you do you have anything else that you want to kind of go over? I mean, well, the Flash one, I think that was I think yeah. that was kind of expected. I mean, I think everyone was disappointed yeah you know i didn't walk out of that movie hating it i walked out of it kind of confused yeah because it it didn't set out what it was supposed to do it didn't give me any closure right it it just kind of was a a hodgepodge of some really great ideas in a stoner comedy script right and you know, at least with like all the other ones, what I could say have going for it is their director didn't say this is one of the greatest superhero scripts I've ever read. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, right. Like to me, to be disappointing, you have to have expectations. And um, when you have this is the greatest superhero script ever, <laughs> and you get The Flash. I mean, even if The Flash was, you know, a 7 out of 10, that's still really (laughs) far from great. That's still short of The Dark Knight. Right. And I know Rotten Tomatoes kind of 
just squeaked by with a 64%. So people didn't hate it overall. Right. But I can definitely understand. Ooh, the audience gave it 83%. See, that's what I'm saying. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you pick one and you you agree with it. Sure, sure. I think 64% is a good, like it's not a fail, but you passed by like an inch. Right. And I think that that's another thing that um, people are really confused about when they when they talk about movies. So I think when people say, "Oh, the movie was bad," it was like a seven out of ten. I'm like, "What do you, what do you mean? Like, seven out of ten is good. Yeah. <laughs> like, like seven out of ten numbers, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like most of the Marvel movies are are to me like the definition of a six point five seven out of ten. That's good. Like most movies aren't a seven out of ten. Mm-hmm. Um, Seven is still above average. Like that's, and you know that's that's really funny to me. Like, you know, like movies, you know, movies that are, but the, you know, the, but then people will say like, oh, this is like the 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 worst, you know, the worst thing, you know, ever. But really, yeah. you know, you gotta you gotta temper expectations, people. You gotta you gotta understand it's a sliding scale, man. A seven out of ten means that there's still three other percentage like three points until perfection like that's that's not bad right right and then you know that's how i feel about like uh blue beetles coming out i don't think it's gonna tank and be horrible i just think it's gonna be super mid yeah like i yeah so i'm seeing it i think this upcoming thursday my, my friend invited me out and i really want this movie to be good i mean i love the cast i think i love the the yeah. awesome, you know, Hispanic, Mexican, Latino, Latina representation there. I think it's a real who's who. And, you know, I, I love the, the the lead actor. I think he's great. I think he's I really hope he keeps he stays in that role. I love his energy. And it's the, you know, the director's first really big break. And mm-hmm. it, it just thinks that the, the studio isn't you know, falling behind it for whatever reason, right? Like, it just feels like everything about this movie should be a home run, except the studio just, for whatever reason, doesn't believe in them, and that's so sad to me. Right. The way they're marketing this makes it seem like, eh, just get your movie done with. (laughs) Right? And I I really hope it's going to be good. And, you Mm -hmm. know, and what's even crazy is I agree. I think it's going to be like a seven, six point five, six out of 10. And, but like, that's to, you know, to the studio, that's enough to get it canceled. And it, you know, to, to it never, you know, coming back. And that's so, right. that's so devastating to me. I mean, I hear that director really wanted a Bane script. So mm. he might not even have his full heart into it either. You know, right. knowing that he got, shut down and was given something else but we'll see we'll see we'll see yeah Um, i mean in two weeks you're going to be like mike we need to redo the awards you know blue beetle down the line best actor best actress (laughs) Uh, cillian murphy looks like crap compared to (laughs) zolo yeah i i really do hope that i'm i'm wrong i mean yeah i this this kid the 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 actor i think he's he's so great in um uh the karate kid tv show um yeah i think he's incredibly talented and i really think he has a a future ahead of him and i hope that this movie doesn't you know 
uh, take that away from him. Absolutely. Speaking of things being taken away, um, best action, best fight scene. Man, so, I, I'm devastated that... Uh, Oppenheimer. That, <laughs> no, that, that John Wick 4 wasn't even an option. Well, didn't that come out in January? I mean, if it was I, the January awards, absolutely. I know, but we had it on. We had it on something else, didn't we? We had it in May. Like I made the cutoff May. Well, no, I thought we had uh, John Wick Four for something. If we did, that's a mistake. Oh, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah, but yeah, there's a lot of things. I think um, I was kicking myself that we couldn't put in. And yeah, that's People were saying you should have put in this movie, and I'm like, yes. If I wanted to do this episode in September, that would make sense. But it, you know, we're doing we, summer movies. Yeah, you're right. So, first of all, I haven't seen Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning, but three people, three people thought those action scenes were amazing. Um, right. I mean, just on you know Tom Cruise's dedication alone. Yeah, you you, you got to put it in, but I mean, to me, it just makes sense across the Spider Verse. I mean, it just the animation was beautiful. I I will say, uh, Indiana Jones, the the set pieces, the action set pieces on it are they're incredible. There's a sequence where they're on this Nazi gold train, and it's 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 incredible. Yeah, as it should be. Um, yeah, summer is the time where you bring out your best fight scenes. Like you do, you get your highest paid stunt doubles and choreographers. Mm. Um, but in this, in this case, 47.1%, eight voters said Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse had the best fights. Now my question is, is that because of the animation filters that were used or is it because of the actual fighting? I mean, I guess it depends on if you, what like, what are you looking for? Like, if you want realism, I guess you got to go with, like, Mission Impossible. But, like, Guardians of the Galaxy, like, the best action sequences were all CGI. So, I mean, what is... It's true. And I, mean, I what is, you know, I, I kind of hmm. struggled with this one because I think I gave, I think personally I gave it to Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm. Just because of, I, you know, I had to give it to at least actors running around in green suits. Sure. Um, Or maybe, maybe I did give it to Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, but I know part of that reason that the fight scenes are so good because of the animation style. Um, But, you know, that's valid. I mean... If you drew a great picture, then you deserve to have good fight scenes. <laughs> no, I totally agree. And I think that's why I am so mad about the John Wick 4 thing. Because to your point, Mike, I think that, you know, it's one of the... I mean, of course, it's exaggerated. But to me, it's it's, it's one of the la- those last kind of action movies. Uh, I mean, along with Mission Impossible where they're doing a lot of their own real, you know, practical effects stunts. And, you know, those are, you know, those are real martial arts. Those are real, you know, gun handling techniques. And, you know, like what, like what is, you know, what is real? What is, you know, what is 
best? Is it just the animation, like you were saying, or is it, you know, is it, is, is are there it actors running around? Life on the line. Right, right. Or learning a new skill. Yeah. Right. Like Vigo Mortensen had to learn guitar, or not guitar, sword. <laughs> he had to learn guitar to play uh, Aragorn. Aragorn. <laughs> oh, one can uh. dream. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're just like a bard. Um, yeah, no, I, 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 I totally get where you're, where you're coming from, but you know, I, I will go to bat and say that, um, you know, for for animation and and action, I, to me, like, I, I think the two go hand in hand. Whenever I think of, you know, some of the greatest animation, or when I think some of the greatest action sequences in TV and movies, I, I always go to anime and um, mm-hmm. animation. You know, I, I think of, you know, Akira, Ghost in the Shell. I, I think of Attack on Titan. I think of, you know, Demon Slayer, Dragon Ball Z, you know, or, you know, you even want to go into stuff like Howl's Moving Castle, Nausicaa of the Valley, um, One Punch mm-hmm. Man. I, I think that those are those are all incredible examples of you know, animation, animating, drawing, uh, and bringing uh, it to to real life, and um, yeah. So I I I love the I, I love animated action. I think it's I think it's super cool, and I think Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles also gets a you know should get a share of that too. I think um, right. It 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 just looks it just flows it just flows nice. And absolutely, um, I think mm. you can also tell the difference between bad fighting animation and good animation, good fighting animation, more easily than you could tell live action, bad live action, and um, like you can fake uh, like live action easier than you can fake animation, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, it's not just the actors. You know, the cameraman is as responsible for a good action scene as right. any of the people on the the set. Right, right, for sure. Yeah. So okay. Mm. Yeah. Speaking of speaking of visual effects. Yes. Okay. So best visual effects. I haven't been going over the nominations, but you people should know by now that what we've been talking about mm-hmm. uh, has been just spinning up a bit. Yeah. Just imagine Asteroid City has been in all of these nominations, too. <laughs> and Elementals have been in some of them. Um, <laughs> visual effects. So everyone kind of came to the table and agreed. Well, nine people out of 18 responses said that uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse has the best visual effects. And I can see that. I can definitely see that from point A to point Z. That movie had so many filters, styles, smooth actions. And to think that, you know, these were the people that made the Lego movies. <laughs> Who knew that Lego animators were so amazing? Well, I mean, I still think that the animation in those Lego movies are... Like, that's that's some next-level stuff. They, they, they really... Yeah. I mean that's that's so hard to be able to animate something to look like it's stop motion like that's right that's, that's some dedication and um I I also I, I got to take uh some uh some frustration here with Oppenheimer getting 3 votes what the the whole thing is practical what there's there's no 
there's no CGI involved. There's they did mm-hmm. everything practical. You know, those um, are the people that didn't see the making of the movie featurettes, which talks <laughs> about him making using no CGI, right? <laughs> right. Like the the whole the whole point of of Oppenheimer is the fact that it was shot on IMAX, that it was shot on film, and they did everything practical and. Um, sure, there are some elements of 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 uh, you know some some visual. They had to they had to ignite there. an atomic bomb, and it probably killed some people. But you know, Christopher Nolan, <laughs> he doesn't skimp out. <laughs> right, right, right. But you know, you, you look at the you know you look at the the, the definition of visual effects, right? It's the process by which imagery is created or manipulated outside the context of a live, live action shot in filmmaking and video production. And then you see the different techniques of special effects. You get mo capture and animation and 3D modeling, rigging, rotoscoping, mm-hmm. mass moving, compositing. And they didn't do any of that for <laughs> for Oppenheimer. It's all it's all real, baby. It's all explosions. And that's why I don't trust audience scores, Mike. I know, I know. These people aren't in your corner, Adam, and I wouldn't trust them either. <laughs> um, but, you but... know, I've felt that for 20 years. No one's been in my movie corner. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, I, I don't see how... I mean, I think you can make an argument for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, um, but I, no I think Spider-Man... Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, Spider-Man uh, Across the Spider-Verse... Um, definitely shouts out incredible, um, and um, and not being obtuse and just trying to make content. I understand what they what they're saying with Oppenheimer and, and visual effects in terms of video editing and um, just color palette choice and yeah, um, just shots that they were that they t- the angles and um, yeah, I, it's it's really a, a work of art and. Um, you know, shouts out to Christopher Nolan. Um, but I, I also want to say I, I am sad that um, Barbie didn't get uh, any kind of votes. I, I know that there wasn't necessarily a lot of CGI or VFX, but just the set design yeah. and costuming, and um, yeah, right. I, I think that was that was really a, a work of art, and just you know, things that were real but also seemed plastic, but real, but plastic, but real. But plastic, <laughs> like even the clothes looked plastic, but it was like still fit them and moved, but it still kind of seemed like pla- it was. Yeah, they they did an awesome job. Um, I, I think Barbie in set design um, definitely deserves. Right. Um, we, some, yeah, when people think visual effects, I think they think explosions and spaceships. How well does the people do explosions and spaceships? So if a movie doesn't have explosions and spaceships, they think there's no visual effects. Right. Now, Oppenheimer had one really good explosion. <laughs> so it got three. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, I think, um, is... Yeah. What baffles me is that mm-hmm. one person saw The Haunted Mansion and said, you know what, this, it doesn't get better than this, this whole summer. <laughs> yeah, and nothing has come out this summer. Yeah, 
Which um, makes me think, am I missing something? Like, is this movie like a sleeper hit that I just don't know? Mm, or and, is this person, is this the only movie they saw? Mm. I'm also shocked that Fast X didn't get any visual effects nods. <laughs> right. Well, Transformers got two, and it's... Yeah. Like... You that's all it has going for it. Like right. it's not gonna win on script merits, it's gonna win on just like a whole spaghetti buffet of visual effects. Of of big giant robot go boom. Like Yes. Um, you know. Yeah, I, I gotta say one of my lasting three D memories is seeing Revenge of the Fallen in three D. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, speaking of cash grabs. <laughs> so I think people, I, I was confused as to why I made this a topic. And then I reminded myself, this is kind of like, it goes with the hype question. Like, what do you think is mm. the most deserving of cash? Um, and I, I wonder if people answered that question like that. Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting. I, because I think you have it. I think you have it kind of juxtaposed because the, the other question you asked was worst cash grab. Um, yeah. And that's like the phony guy who just can't wanted to come out because he wanted a few extra dollars in his pocket. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I think that um, I think this is interesting because I don't think so. Barbie won. Um, uh, with five votes, but um, I don't. I wouldn't necessarily say that it was like to me when I when you think cash grab, you think of a movie that was an established IP that's kind of setting about to create <laughs> or like is part of a trilogy or is a part of a a universe, and they're they're doing, um, you know, they're just they're just relying on it's IP and a very fat marketing budget and some, you know, famous actors on its name bill to kind of Mm -hmm. pull it along. Kind of like fast X. Like to me, the winner of both of these should be fast X. Um, or Or maybe people took this like, like literally, like they, they looked at the gross and they said, (laughs) well, obviously Barbie won. Like this isn't (laughs) it. This isn't a vote. He's asking us a trivia question. <laughs> right, right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, Barbie. You know, Barbie is, I think, currently now trending as like the second highest grossing movie of the year. It's the the first. Um, it's the first movie uh, directed by a woman to um, get to a billion dollars and. Yeah, I, I you can't argue with results. Mm-hmm. I'm just sad it's not uh, the Birds of Prey movie. <laughs> as the as the yeah. as the highest grossing female movie. Yeah. Yes. Uh, anyways, but yeah, anyway. this people took this one literally, or maybe you know some people thought Indiana Jones was the biggest cash grab. And I would say that's true. They knew that they were going to get fans and they didn't really have to try that. Well, I won't say try that hard, but 
they didn't really have to market the heck out of it to get people to fall back in love with Indiana Jones. Right, right. Yeah. And right. And I also think of like cash grab as like this it's it's not necessary, right? Like nobody yeah. wanted, you know, a fifth Indiana Jones movie. Mm-hmm. Um but we got it anyways, and then they poured a bunch of money into it. And mm-hmm. like they didn't make a lot of money. <laughs> right. And I, I would say is if we're talking about successful cash grabs that deserve it, I think people voted correctly. Yeah. Barbie for sure. won with five votes. Indiana Jones with two votes. Little Mermaid two votes. Fast X three votes. Um But then when we move on to worst cash grab, as in, Mm. like, this is an inappropriate sequel. No one's asking for this. You know, read the room, dummy. (laughs) Um, And so that we get some fun answers. I think there's a couple on here that don't belong. I think Barbie doesn't belong. TMNT does not belong, I don't think. Um, And then... I I just don't really see why the haunted mansion is on there. I mean, maybe it's a little egregious. It's based on you know uh, a ride, like you were saying. But yeah. the fact that the Meg Two got made, <laughs> yeah. like that, like why? It's just well, it, to me, it's the definition of a useless sequel. Nobody wants it. Nobody asked for it, and nobody saw it, and it lost money, and it should because. It shouldn't have been made in the first place. Yeah. So I'm actually, I'm like, I want to know, like, the backstory of this. And if it's based on the backstory, like, the Meg 2, they can argue, like, there's a whole series of books that did really well, which is true. There's, like, eight Meg's books out there. They're not translating well as movies, and I think that's what's going to stop them from making any sequels. But I can understand them greenlighting that. Um, Barbie as a worst cash grab, even if Barbie was made in 2013 with Jennifer Lawrence and Vin Diesel as Ken, I think that would have done really well, you know, because Barbie is way overdue for a movie. Like, right. There's not a, another live action or even like a, a feature length movie. So I, I don't really see it as a cash grab as much as I see, Fast 10 as a cash grab. <laughs> yeah, Fast 10 got four votes and is the winner of Worst Cash Grab. But I honestly, I am surprised that we're not like into the fifth reboot of a Barbie movie. Like mm. Spider-Man got picked up in early 2000s and that seemed obvious. Like why hasn't, mm. why hasn't people been like begging for like the fifth Barbie reboot? Mm. Like, is this part of the Barbie-verse? You know, well, I, I think that's a part of it, right? Like, I don't think people were ready or had the ability to imagine what a live action, you know, feature length movie would be, other than just like a G rated kids movie, right? Like, right. The, like and there I just they wasn't stuck with that, or I thought they would have, right? Like, I like I don't see, like I don't see how this movie could have been made before Greta Gerwig. Like, I don't think that there's a, a director that's imaginative that could have, like, done something like it. Uh, like, maybe, maybe, I, I don't know, someone <laughs> like 
uh, I don't know. Uh, I, like I can't think of anybody that would. That could well, that's maybe... because you're thinking of quality. I'm thinking of the cash grab <laughs> value, where sure. in 2008 it comes out with Scarlett Johansson as Barbie. In 2013, right. it's rebooted as Jennifer Lawrence, and it's <laughs> right, about but... her finding the perfect shoes. And in 2015, they bring back Jennifer Lawrence for the sequel because she finds out there's even better shoes for Barbie to have. And in my timeline, Greta Gerwig doesn't exist, and Barbie is like this cash grab. Yeah, I, I guess the the closest I can get to is maybe Tim Burton. <laughs> I'd love I'd love like a '90s Tim Burton <laughs> Barbie movie, right? And the fact is, I'm so surprised that Greta Gerwig chose Barbie to do this experiment. Um, yeah, that's my like take on this whole thing. Is like maybe. Like she could have chose anything as her vehicle and not necessarily needed to be Barbie. Mm. Though she had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, for sure. But now it like it leads to expectations and like, man, any toy movie could be the best movie of the year. I mean, are we gonna get an amazing Hot Wheels movie? Are we gonna get an amazing Mighty Max movie now? Probably not. No. The answer is no. <laughs> And I think that's the point in why studios are just totally whiffing. It's because it's not it's not the source materials. It's not that you can just grab any Yahoo off the street. Like, you have to have a specific original vision for the project, and there's just no substitute for it. Right. Like, I've always dreamed that Christopher Nolan would pick up a G.I. Joe movie <laughs> and bring in, like, realism the realism he brought with Batman Begins mixed with like subtle love for the series. Right. Well, I, and I, I mean, that's really kind of what happened with his Batman trilogy, right? Like mm-hmm. that, that was, he would, he took something that up until that point was just purely camp, right? Like there was mm-hmm. like, they, you know, that ice all, skates. <laughs> right. Like we, like up until that point, all we had was like, you know, Spider-Man and, you know, uh, you know, Iron Man, the 2008 one, you know, had, you know, just had just come out. So, like, you know, the, the superhero genre wasn't viewed seriously. Right. And Christopher Nolan flipped it on its head. And, you know, now we're we're, we're reaping a, a decade of, you know, people trying to chase that high. Right. And so Christopher Nolan can make a film out of anything in my childhood. I, I you know, that gummy bears cartoon, go at it. <laughs> yeah. Care bears, care bears. Oh my gosh. That would be amazing. You know, the care was in us all along. You the know, whole time. Cillian Murphy as grumpy bear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, speaking That's... of grumpy bear. This mm. brings us to the final act, and that is best summer movie of 2023. Mm. And I really think people, I, like we always knew mm. that this was going to be the answer. Sure. I, I, I think the minute I saw this movie, I'm like, people are going to declare this the winner. Yeah. 
and, and I think a part of it is the 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 population that we pulled. I think if you ask, geeks. I I think if we ask a general population, I think the answer would be different. But I understand why this was why this won. Yeah, this is not an unworthy movie um, by mm-hmm. any means. By like any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, you can see the love and care and time. Like I'll, I mean, I'll always have the probably the unpopular opinion <laughs> that it's it's not as fun and cuddly as the first one was. And in fact, I was watching the first one and how the first one starts with Spider-Man talking about his Christmas album, and I'm like, huh, so silly. I love that. And then you go to this one, it starts with uh, you know. Haley Steinfeld saying, I'm so depressed. My life is over. My best friend died. And it's like, okay, you know, there's definitely a different feel in this one. But I can understand. But that doesn't take anything away from the movie. I still think it's a contender for best summer summer movie. Sure, for sure. Mm -hmm. And, um... Yeah, I, I, I totally I totally can see why um this one. I, I think it's um I think that this this movie and the one before it are kind of they're they're doing what, you know, Christopher Nolan's trilogy did you know, now. Uh mm-hmm. I think it's really elevating the, the superhero movie into a realm that it's never been before and I think it's um yeah i it, it deserves um it deserves all the 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 praise and accolades i think that are are coming its way and certainly within the, our community um yeah i i i can't you know i don't blame them for for picking mm-hmm. for picking this and and having this win because yeah like i don't i don't see how it could you how you would expect the the population that we pulled to have picked anything else Right, right. And, you know, honestly, people thought this Spider-Man was, like, amazing because it brought in hip-hop culture. And it brought Spider-Man, like, a fresh take, a more diverse take. But Mm -hmm. I wouldn't even say this is my favorite uh, animated feature to include, like, hip-hop culture. I would say uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. (laughs) Mutant Mayhem, like... uh, was a lot more fun in that respect. But you know, only me and Rotten Tomatoes will agree with that. <laughs> Everyone else, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse with eight, eight votes. And tied for third is Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3, Indiana Jones, Dial of Destiny, Oppenheimer, and the reason I included Guardians of the Galaxy is probably because I wanted people to have to fight between Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse and Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think anyone was tempted by that. Like, yeah, for sure. I mean, I and I really do think it's indicative of just the uh, kind of the like old versus new, right? Like I think Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is definitely, um, and I don't know if you would argue this point, but I, I do think it's among the better of the all the Marvel movies, the live-action ones. 
I think it's very... It goes down much smoother than some other ones. For sure. And, but mm-hmm. at the same time, like I, even though it, as good as it is, I still do think it's just... like I, I don't think it's as good in terms of like quality because because of the fatigue and I, I think it's I think it's just like old media right like I don't I don't think it's um I don't, I don't think it's new I don't think it's fresh anymore I think the right. formula is a little stale and you know I, I I really do think that the the animation um and the story and um the essence of the characters in um you know Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse is a is a really awesome take on superheroes that I really enjoy. I think it's I think it's comic accurate. I think it's the people right. that are making the the Spider-Verse movie it it really does feel like they care about the source material. Um and the characters feel real and they have real problems and they're not just, you know, good-looking 50-year-olds pretending to be good-looking 30-year-olds. Um All right, Paul Rudd. <laughs> And um, I, I would say the same thing with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, right? Like, I think the the people that made that movie, they you can tell that they loved what they were working on. Oh, yeah. Seth Rogen is... He, the way he gushes about it makes me think that he's the biggest geek of all. And I love the fact that he... he you know, that he, he poured his love into this. Right. When, when I... I when I well, uh, just this when I think of directors yeah. doing these summer movies, I think these guys like these older fifty year olds like with the cigarettes and the cigarette holders being like, <laughs> oh, "Okay, Chris Pratt, you stand here." Right. Yeah. Right, and it just it, yeah. There's no the you know the love is gone and um, mm-hmm. and I, I think the audiences can tell. And and don't get me wrong, I think. I think Gunn really did love the project that he was working on. Yeah, um, I know, can't I speak ill of him. Um, but I do think that he made that movie with the idea that he was one foot out the door, and um, like, that well, movie... I think it was, and well, I think the movie was really good. It definitely didn't feel like it was a hundred percent like the best he could do, you know. Yeah, that movie was like his resume for the DC crowd, being like, "Okay, all right, we know what you're capable of. Come on over." Right? They're like, "He's like, look, if I can get, like, if, look, if I can get Disney to let me say the F word, think of all the things I can do for you, DC." <laughs> Ooh, swoon! Uh, right. And but, yeah, yeah, and 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 I will say this about. James Gunn and all his projects—they, there are—they are his projects first, and the source material second. Right. And um, yeah. So like I and I don't I don't begrudge him for that. Like that's it's his it's his right as an artist, and um, I, I think he generally has more hits than misses. But mm-hmm. um, I also do think at the same time that like. He just doesn't have the same level of love and respect for the source material like we do, like the people that make Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse and uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles did. Mm-hmm. So, best summer movies. We're talking about 
13 movies mm. that we think deserve the, you know, almost an Oscar. Well, wouldn't you a know summy. it? Yeah, a summy. Wouldn't you know it? Someone really liked the Haunted Mansion. <laughs> <laughs> Which, again, you know, begs so many questions. Right. Is Did it... you see anything else this summer? Yes. And if you did, what was what's in this movie that you love so much? And can I have it? <laughs> right. Because if this made you so happy, if this made you say, you know, screw all the other movies, um, then, you know, what is it? Please tell us, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe right. Rosario and- Dawson, she gives out her phone number. Like... <laughs> Right, right. Uh, somebody tell me, please. Yeah, and someone chose. There's one vote for Rise of the Beast, which mm. was that I you, mean, Mike? I got excited. I haven't seen the movie. I got excited that they were going to do Beast Wars. Not too long ago, Adam, we were doing a podcast about how Beast Wars is the best Transformer series ever made. True, and I believed it. No, and I. I believe I you. Think, I don't think Rise of the Beasts, like without seeing it, I don't think they captured what we saw in 1995, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. And again, I think it just speaks to like the the reverence, right, for the 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 source material. And you know, I'm not expecting like a a one for one remake. I think that's ridiculous, but. You know, when Peter Jackson made the original Lord of the Rings trilogy, he loved the source material, and you could you could just feel that. Mm-hmm. And you know, unfortunately, like I think a lot of people they 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 don't have that same sort of love and respect for the the source. Right, right. And funny thing about that is, people who love the book source material hate Peter Jackson. So, <laughs> which is which is incredible to me because, and I again I think this is like a perspective thing, and because they they have an expectation that it's supposed to be this one for one thing, but like it's it's just a, a fundamentally different medium, and I think adaption and adapting things from one art form to another is you know a a a, a skill mm-hmm. in and of itself, and people who do it well, you know are um, ones that insert their own vision to it. And I think that's important. Yeah. Well, I mean, their expectations were probably J.R.R. Tolkien needs to come back from the dead and (laughs) consult on this movie. (laughs) Right. And I mean, you know, maybe this is an unpopular opinion, but I really do think J.R.R. Tolkien would really love, you know, the, the, Peter Jackson's perspective of it because um while I don't necessarily think that he got everything right word for word but I, I do think he captures the spirit of what makes Lord of the Rings so great and so inspiring and and, and that's why I think Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is a perfect summer movie to me because I think it captures everything that is you want from a summer movie right Something that you can take your family to, you mm-hmm. know, something, you know, something that'll give you the oohs and the ahs, 
you know, something that's a, a visual spectacle, something that makes you think, you know, something that'll kill two hours so you can sit in some nice air conditioning. And <laughs> that's what I love. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I, that's why I think it's like such a perfect summer movie because it, it ticks all those like those boxes for me, right? It, right. It, when I think of a summer movie, that's what I think of. It's it's the perfect balance between being smart and cleverly made, but mm. also being a pow whiz bang shoot explosion fest. Right. Yeah, exactly. And you know, totally I'm, I'm kind of kicking myself. Uh, my my uh, brother-in-law, mm. he he's he bought this thing for my mother-in-law called an EV pad, which basically shows you all of China's and Japan's like TV channels and movie options. Mm. And I got to flip through it, and I could have seen across the Spider Verse. You know, with Mandarin captions, um, but in English, and I didn't. Instead, I I saw, um, uh, what did I see? I saw Black Clover on Netflix. <laughs> was it worth it? Uh, Black Clover is kind of a cluster of a lot of things. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. But anyways, yeah. So now you know to accept this award for best summer movie, Shamik Moore. <laughs> yeah, even though we just trashed you a little bit earlier. <laughs> yes. Oops. Is it? Is it that? Is that how award shows work, though? Right. 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 We're like Jack Black. You know, it's just a joke. You know? It's just a joke, man. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Oh boy! Well, man, Mike, I I feel like this podcast was a whole summer in the making, which it literally was. Right, and, and we're so far behind. Like we were supposed to talk about Oppenheimer, how it changed the industry, Barbie, how it changed the industry, and we're just bringing <laughs> these things up now. Yeah, right, right. Um, but you know, I I I think a, enough and a lot has been said just in the sphere of things about. Barbie and Oppenheimer and how, you know, transcendental all these movies are and how, you know, these are once, this was a once in a century sort of experience. And, you know, I, I, I agree, but also at the same time, I don't think that there's a lot of people talking about, um, summer movies like we are right now. And, um, right. what that no one like. talks about them as a worthy unit. Right. Exactly. So, you know, I, you know, maybe we, we, you know, we didn't talk about what's trending and what's popular, but I still think what we, we talked about today was, was very important nonetheless. Yeah. Someone's going to walk out and say, I feel smarter. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. it's us. <laughs> yes. Oh, gosh. Uh, so that's, that's the summer movies. And maybe next year when we do the second annual Summies Awards. Yeah. We're going to be talking about Zack Snyder's Polly Pocket. <laughs> And that would change the industry once again in uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, how it bombed, um, in The Flash 2, directed right. by James Gunn, surprisingly right. good. Right. Who knows? Uh, right. And, I mean, I, I, this is probably something we should have said at the start of the show, but, you know, 
we we support you know all these the, the actors and the writers and people on strike right now trying to get a a fair wage. So hopefully you know next summer we can talk about this again. And you know the the you know we 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 take a lot of this stuff sort of for granted all the hard work that people like the animators on you know across the Spider Verse had to to put in to to make something that we enjoy. So. Um, you know, this is our our thank you to the people in the industry, and um, yeah, I, I I hope that this this art is is around for the long haul, and you know, I can't wait for for movies to to get back, and I hope that next summer we can have even more exciting summer movies to talk about. Um, yes, I I think uh, this tradition needs to continue. Yeah, and I really do hope that if they don't come back, these writers. Um, we're not going to have anything to talk about, and we're going to have to do another Charlize Theron uh, biopic. <laughs> I love that. I mean, give us. I love. I love the. I love the biopics. Yes. But yeah, next. Yeah, maybe next episode. Yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll see what we, we we talk about. But um, uh, yeah, I feel like this was uh, the perfect capstone to a a summer that was equally filled with disappointing movies, but really awesome. Incredible movies, nonetheless. Mm-hmm. So join us next week when we talk about the top three Nolan villains <laughs> that we think deserve Oscars. <laughs> it's it's funny because there's only three. Right. Anyways, uh, I've been Mike. I'm Adam. And thank you for watching Film Logic. Yes. Or listening. Yeah.